When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1133. Sunday nights, 10 p.m. 9 central, Talking Dead on AMC. Monday nights, 10, 9 central, The Wall on NBC. I host both of those things. So I don't know if you got some time, maybe check them out. Nothing wrong with a little self-promotion, just a touch. Uh, okay, that's enough. That's enough self-promotion. Now let's now let's talk about promotion for you, the ID10T community. Uh, events at ID10T.com. For the corkboard, um, this uh, comes from Aaron, who writes, I have a pretty dull, boring uh, 9-to-5 job, and after this past year and a half of doing it at home, I was inspired to create something that would hopefully bring a little happiness, joy, laughter, and health into my life, and others if they watch. I started a YouTube channel for my 365-day experiment. would love for you to pass it along to your listeners. I'm a nerd from Boston living in Los Angeles. Uh, two cities, one girl. I love going to SoCal theme parks, Disneyland, DCA, Universal Studios, Hollywood, CityWalk, all the conventions, Comic-Con, WonderCon, uh, CatCon, CoffeeCon, LA Comic-Con, um, D23, Star Wars Celebration. I'm challenging myself to 365 days of health, fun, enjoyment, and adventures, uh, local and far, cool videos, and all the Star Wars, Disney, Marvel content you can take. It's called The Aaron Space, E-R-I-N, and I'm trying to get 100 subscribers in 100 days. Um, that's great, Aaron. Thank you so much for sharing, and hopefully this will help. So if you go to YouTube uh, and you type in The Aaron Space, and Aaron is spelled E-R-I-N. Um, thank you again, Aaron, for sharing. And to anyone else, events at ID10T.com for your thing on the corkboard. Um, this episode is Coleman Domingo, who years ago, well, actually, I know when. It was uh, five years ago, um, Coleman came on the podcast Fear the Walking Dead, which is a show that he is on. He plays Victor Strand, and he's phenomenal. Um, came on this podcast, and we hit it off like it was just magical. And Lydia and I were getting married like a week later, and after the podcast, I was like, do you want to come to our wedding? And he said, absolutely. Uh, so uh, Coleman and his husband Raul came to our wedding, and we became really close friends with them, and... Uh, we've been on vacations together and, and, and spent so much wonderful time. They're just such amazing people. And we, my wife Lydia and I absolutely adore them. And um, Coleman's career is so on fire right now. I mean, he's on Fear the Walking Dead, like I said. That comes back October 17th. 
Um, he's also in Euphoria. He's also uh, has a movie out uh, called Zola. And he also has Candyman, which is fantastic, by the way. Lydia and I saw it. We loved it. It is in theaters uh, the day of the posting of this podcast, which is August 27th. Um, and even beyond that, I believe he sold a show to AMC that he's going to write and direct. And again, like I said, he's just doing a million other things. So yes, on a personal level, I love Coleman to pieces. And also on a professional level, as a creator, he really inspires me, you know? Uh, And I think he will inspire you too. Like whatever it is that you're working on or want to achieve or even just, you know, figuring out who you are so you can, you know, achieve whatever it is that you want or whatever it is. Coleman is just such a fantastic role model. Pleasure to have Coleman Domingo back on the ID10T podcast number 1133, which begins right now. Oh, wait, almost begins right now. A quick spoiler alert. Uh, We do talk about uh, Fear the Walking Dead, uh, some things that happen on the most recent season. So if you're not caught up uh, to the most recent season of Fear the Walking Dead, then uh, maybe hit the pause button if that is important to you, uh, if you want to watch that and then come back. So that is the fair spoiler warning for Fear the Walking Dead. And now we start the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. Coleman Domingo. Hey, Chris Harwick with the smooth voice and microphone. <laughs> I know. I got. I pulled out at the fancy microphone. You went all out today. I, I went all out with my um, earpods that were from HBO. They keep that on here. So it's nice. <laughs> well, this, is, this is this is this is the era we're in now. The era of Zooms and everyone being their own uh, audio engineers and uh, camera lighting and <laughs> yes, <laughs> all of it. I'm actually recording in the podcast room, which I haven't done for a long time. This was the room that people used to actually show up to, to record the podcast. And we have these really fancy mics that Lydia got me as a present one year. And so, uh, so It'll like, never be do? used again. No, I'm totally kidding. No, no. It will be used again. They will be used again. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. You know, I have no, to say, though, no, it's not at all. It's 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 been pretty... Um, I haven't done any in-person podcasts yet, not since, gosh, February of 2020, but, um, but this really has, like, I think you're in Texas, right? So this, you wouldn't yeah. have been able to do the podcast today if, if you nah. had to show up in person. I, I don't know exactly. when you'd be back. Right. So isn't that something though, that the things that we thought were so foreign before that we thought we needed to happen. And I'm sure there is that special magic that happens when you're in a room together. But I think that we've all learned to sort of like, become a bit more personal on this impersonal device yeah i mean i do think we shouldn't become too reliant on it though i think it'll i think i think moving forward we'll see a sort of a hybridized version of like oh you know if you can make it to a meeting in person great 
if you can't for whatever reason, or if it just, or if they just, it just needs to happen quickly, then this is a completely, you know, reasonable solution for that. But, you know, I have to say, um, uh, having, you know, gotten together with small groups of friends here and there, the in-person thing is just so nice. <laughs> I mean, it, it is so good. It's, it's in-person with friends. When it comes to meetings, I'm still like, I'm of the mind that like any meeting that has to take place in Santa Monica and, you know, <laughs> South Beach, LA, oh, I'm yeah. like, you know, we're yeah. still virtually. I don't really need to make that meeting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, not not to become the uh, the Californian sketch on SNL, but getting to Santa Monica uh, for a meeting if you're not a West Sider in in Los Angeles is, I mean, it all it's almost a camping trip where you, you have to you like, plan a whole day. You have to plan your whole day out. You're like, well, that's it. I guess I'll see. Uh, you're like, should I book a hotel room down there? It I mean, yeah. Do I just stay down the, there? I mean, if right, the meeting's right. over at five, I mean, like, I might as well just have oh, dinner down. And say, oh, this, yeah. oh, you may as well because the, the day's over. You won't get home till like ten. <laughs> Not getting back yeah. till Saturday, honey. I'm gonna come. I'll see you on Monday. I have a meeting in Santa Monica on Friday. I have a so twenty I'm minute not... meeting in Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> For some shit I that I don't want to do. I'm going to have to park in a massive parking structure. The parking validation is weird. I'm going to get a stack of... A stack of, of those things to exit? Of those coupons because we haven't come up with a better system in our technology where we have it's to load weird. in 10 of those things. And then we have to, you know, I'll, I'll wait in the waiting room for about 40 minutes. The meeting will be 20. I'll get back out. It'll be 520. Yeah. And then at that point, I think I just have to live in Santa Monica because I don't want to face having to, to get home again. <laughs> there is no, there is no easy way. No, there's no easy way with that. There's none, no. I think, so that part of the, the journey, I think I'm sort of like, uh, I'll put a pin in it for wanting that part of my life to, to restart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do not blame you. I assume you're down working on Fear right now. I am. I'm in lovely Austin, Texas. We're working on season seven of Fear the Walking Dead, and um, we do. And we've been having a great fucking time. To be honest, That's I feel great. like the show has. I don't know. Ian and Andrew are like writing with like new blood. I, I it really. It's like they're just like really blowing the top off of the whole genre now. I think that they. I think that now that they re- truly understand. Not that they didn't understand before, but we're not tethered to uh, the comic book. So we can go as far as we want. At the end of season six, we have a a nuclear fallout. Um, A nuclear, you know, missile goes off. And also you're playing with that. We're playing with landscape. We're playing with these other high stakes things. Like you can't play low stakes with a, a nuclear bomb that just went off. That was a pretty remarkable, that was a pretty remarkable thing because I thought, I mean, I think, you know, you're watching and you're like, well, they're not going to, I mean, I see where this might be headed, but they're not going to, I mean, they couldn't do that. And then it happens. You're like, what the fuck just happened? You know, like, because it's yeah. such a, it's, it's just such a crazy, like, oh, they just got used to one apocalypse, but fuck that double apocalypse, you know, like it's Dude, just a, yeah. a really, a really, um, incredible uh story engine <laughs> to have to write around it's really dope because i think what they you know what i've always loved about the show is that it's supposed to respond to the times right and so we're dealing with this nuclear fallout where the air is toxic that you can't breathe sounds like last year right so, <laughs> you know sounds like so what do you do take cover 
uh, protect it, you know, figure things out, figure out how you're going to live and survive in this new environment and do it pretty quickly. And that's what's happening in the show. And that's what I find so exciting that all the stakes are dialed up like to a thousand now. I mean, I just, I, I'm just, I'm remembering a time going back to the beginning of the show and meeting this whole, you know, the idea of a, of a, of another walking dead show was so new and it's like, Oh, you're about to go on this incredible journey. You know, now seven seasons later, it's just, it's really hard to believe. And, you know, with world beyond wrapping up and then, you know, the, the, the first walking dead show wrapping up next year. I mean, fear is like, I mean, I don't, I I don't have any inside information on what the future of fear is. I don't know, but I assume it's continuing. And and it's like, it's just, it's been an incredible seven years, seven years. No show making the seven years. That's, I mean, I, I never thought like, if you would have told me, Chris, when I first came on your show and I sat there and I was all happy because I was wearing, you know, Ralph Lauren suits and stuff like that. And this apocalyptic show did I know I'd be doing what I'd be doing now. Absolutely not. I didn't know the storytelling would do that. I didn't know that we would move from location to location. I didn't know that Strand would develop like this character. I didn't know that he would still survive. Um, so this whole journey has been a huge surprise to me. And I've been, but I've been very grateful and really excited about it. And I think even, I think, especially with the show that's been going on this long, you have to have a certain amount of investment in it personally, because you are beholden to your character and to the whole story. So they listen to us even more so. They listen to, I'm sure, me, Lenny, Alicia, Jenna, when we have suggestions about things and the kind of story that we want to tell. I mean, especially like I think me and Alicia, we've been, and, and Ruben, we've been around the longest. So it's like, I think that they're very interested in thinking, what story do you want to tell? Not just mm-hmm. being in service to a story, but what are you interested in as a, uh, an actor and as a character? So I think they've been really um, rolling out the red carpet for that this season. Yeah. And uh, also, um, I I would like to point out, as I know, as anyone who's listened to the podcast for any length of time and who's heard you on the podcast, you know, before knows that we are also uh, friends. They know that I adore adore you and Raul, you know, that uh, just as as a human, as human beings, we absolutely just love you to pieces and and watching your career in the past couple of years like i mean i i'll even text you sometimes when you'll put you'll post on instagram another like amazing looking movie and i'm like when the fuck did you have time to do this (laughs) (laughs) and it's like you know fear the walking dead euphoria ma rainey's black bottom zola you know like it, it it's just like all of these I don't know where you find the time to, to, to do it all, but I also would love to talk to you about, I just, I, I love your career path because, you know, do, do, let me, let me, let me go back a little bit and say like, do you feel like things are popping right now? What is your perspective on what's been going on um, the last couple of years? Have you, do you notice a change? Does it feel like it's picked up an enormous amount of momentum or does it not, does it feel the same as it always has? What is, what is your perspective on what's going on? Well, okay, this is, that's a great question. You know, the funny thing is I've always, even as I've come into this business, what in the early nineties, I've always been a polymath. I've always been a multi-hyphenate. I started out as an actor, then I started directing and then I started writing and I started producing. And then I just kept doing that. And then, so a lot of times, uh, different audiences would know me for different things. Like if you even ask any person who loves Broadway musicals, they may just know me from Passing Strange or Scottsboro Boys. 
and those other things like that, New York theater, off-Broadway theater, you name it. Would they know that I did sketch comedy? They might not. Would they know? And then suddenly I have a whole film lane and a television lane and then directing lane, musical lane. So I feel like I've always had these very compartmentalized careers, but now suddenly after what, 31 years in this business, it's been amplified even more so because I think I do, I do recognize honestly in the past couple of years that it, that has been a huge amplification of my work because for a lot for a while people have been like they couldn't figure out they were like oh you're that guy you're in there they didn't know my name but they know i pop up in history dramas you name it whatever but now i'm on these very high profile projects and i think it's because of you know you know because i've been working for years and i feel like i've been always trying to craft um the kind of people i work with not only the people who are my friends and colleagues but the people that i work with i want to work with people who are going who are willing to take a risk. And so I've been very blessed that my career path has taken me to that, to work with these legendary directors and then these up and coming directors who are really making a splash with their first, second feature films or new television shows and all. And I feel like I've been in the conversation with these people. And so now that they're part of the zeitgeist, I'm also part of the zeitgeist. Now suddenly it's like Coleman Domingos and everything. Now, did I plan this last year of film rollouts? I did not. I had no idea. It was just, I did these films. People are always wondering when I do things. And I'll tell you what it is. Because Alicia, Devin Carey asked me that too. Like, when do you find the time to do this stuff? <laughs> we shoot Fear the Walking Dead for about six to seven months out of the year. And in between, sometimes I've shot films, like I shot God Committee on my hiatus um, two, se- two seasons ago while we were in hiatus for fear for a week and a half. I went yep. to New York and shot this film out. They shot out all my work in a week. Oh, wow. uh, Candyman got shot out during the hiatus break when we have a, a longer break. I did that's when I did Candyman. Zola, I think I did that again on a break. Usually on a break, I don't take a break. I know a lot of people may go off and go to Mexico and relax. I think I can do that for three days. That's all I got in me, and then I need to go to work. So that's just me. So I while everybody else is chilling or spending time, I'm like I take my my husband and we go to another state and I shoot a movie. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what I do, or, or I write a new play or a musical. So that's why I'm always doing something. I'm always doing like four things. If I told you what I was doing right now, you it would be ridiculous. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm. It's because I don't even know how I'm doing it, but I know it's got to be very precise. I'm shooting a full season of Fear the Walking Dead while I'm. I shot out two episodes of Euphoria on a break, on a hiatus while I'm prepping for a film that I'm going to do in the fall, while I'm doing writing a television series that I'm going to write and direct. I um, saw like, that. That's amazing. Through, through the AMC deal. Yeah. So I'm doing all of it. And I have a musical that I wrote that's going to open in London in about a year. Um, so I'm actually just, I'm just very scheduled. I schedule everything. And then I also schedule, Chris, I schedule free time as well. Like there'll be times when I come back home and I'm like, oh, that day is booked out. What's it booked out for? Hanging with a friend, going for a hike. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have to do that too. So everything's very well coordinated. And uh, But I do recognize that this is a, it's a, it seems to be a really big time in my career. And I, I absolutely recognize it. Well, that's good because it's, you know, the, the trap is uh, to be consumed by it because mm. if you get all these opportunities, 
And, you know, you're like, well, I can't say no to, I mean, like I've been working, you know, like I should, I feel like I should take, you know, like that would be fun. I, and, but sometimes it can be at the expense of your life or the, or yeah. your, or your peace, you know, your mental health and, or just maintaining a balance, which is very difficult. And, you know, it's easy to think that, uh, you know, the business is the be all end all of everything to get sucked into yeah. it. And then, you know, especially coming out of the last year and realizing like, oh yeah, it's important for sure. But yeah. It's, you know, like, but there are life things that are also important. So it's nice to hear that you also take the time for yourself and your yeah. personal relationships. And now that things have picked up again, I think it's even more important that we have to, we have to press the pause button. We have to tell our teams as well. Everybody gets, but also in a moment like this, everyone's excited and enthusiastic and, you, and I'm getting lots of offers. And it's funny because even with the real estate that I have available, I actually want to fill it with things that I want to do. It's nice to get mm -hmm. an offer of something outside of you, but I'm like, well, I'm creating this thing here. I want to direct this film and do that. And then I, know I had a conversation with the producer. He said, well, what if, you know, Spielberg calls up and offers you this role? I said, so that's going to compete with the thing that I've been developing myself. That doesn't make sense. Right. I said, right. that's, I think that's why you, you work so hard and have more agency in this industry is so you can do the things that you want to do. So it's from the inside out, not from the outside in. That's the way I've always, I've always built from that way. And so the idea of like, well, well, this is going to get me more opportunities. I'm like, no, this will help me create more opportunities for myself. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. See, that's, it's good. It's good to have a, a kind of um, a guiding principle or a personal directive. And a lot of times I think the lack of it, we allow in, in the absence of that, we sort of just let ourselves be, you know, pulled in any direction that, ha you know, happens. And then all of a sudden, you know, can, can be overwhelmed. But yeah. some of that also, I think comes with a bit of wisdom over time when you kind of learn who you are and what you want and asking that core question, who am I and what do I want? And if you if you kind of know that, then I think it does make a lot of the decision making easier because you can just say like, oh, well, does this feel like it falls within that sphere that I have kind of, you know, and, and the flexibility of stepping outside that sphere if something really remarkable that you want to try comes along. But in general, you know, it's and, and I as long as I've known you, you've always seemed very focused. You know, you you know who you are, you know what you want and you choose accordingly. 
And I think that's, I think that is also one of your legacies and something that I think people should look to and be inspired by because, you know, you, 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 it's like our time, how much time do we get? Who knows? So be happy, you know, like make choices that are meaningful to you and and, and enjoy it. You know, Chris, I wonder, you, you just said something that made me think of something I told someone recently. I've had the unfortunate events of losing both my parents in 2006. And then even recently, I lost one of my best friends to a cancer um, in February. And it's always those reminders. And I think we've we got to keep reminding ourselves that like, this time is precious, man. What are you going to do with the time that you have? You know, I always feel like, and this is a true core principle of mine, Chris. And I feel like we, we have, we've never talked about this, but I do believe that like my whole day is designed with me hopefully feeling like if I closed my eyes tonight and didn't wake up, that I did a good job, that I did the things that I wanted to do. I took the trips I wanted to take. I, I ate what I wanted to eat. I loved the way I wanted to love. I had the friendships I wanted to have friendships with. I didn't say no or put something off, but I did it. You know what I mean? And I feel like, I feel like if we can do if, if our principles about the way we live our life that's why i feel like it's always been about and this is i don't know where it's coming from but it's like i'll just have to say i think my, my mom influenced me in this way because it was always important to do something your mind your body and your soul every single day and that's a very conscious thing what's like happiness is uh and to be happy is a conscious choice you're like i'm setting my day up to be happy even the way i set up my blinds because i like to wake up if i'm not on an alarm clock for an early call, I like to wake up with the sun. Why? I know that makes me happy. I feel mm-hmm. part of nature. It's all these guiding principles that helps you, I think, eventually make the choices that you need to make in your career to have a happy, healthy existence. It's all in alignment. It's not one or the other. I think it's all together. Um, the people that you spend time with, and you know, we've all gone through, have been going through this pandemic, and I think that we all made, I'm sure you have, Chris, you made very clear choices about who do you spend time with. Who, who is really um, deeply connected to you and, and putting your path on, on what you want to do, what you want to build, how you want to build it, how you want to love, how do you want, what do you, the people you want to put around your family. And you let a lot of people go. Am I right? Did you let some people go this, during this pandemic? Well, I feel like we let a lot of, th- I mean, like just not by choice necessarily, but just sort of let a lot of things go. And for the longest yeah. time, it was just Lydia and me and the dog, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but, and, but yeah. and my mom, you know, um, but I don't know. I, I feel like more, like more, more so than letting people go. It was just sort of letting some, some other ideas go about like, That's what's it. important. Yes. You know, so maybe, maybe if I had friendships with ideas before about like, (laughs) you know, the business is so important in it. And again, it is, I'm not saying I don't love doing it, but I do find myself kind of going through a period of like, you know, as Lydia and I embark on trying to start a family and, you know, and all this time that we got to spend together going like, it's, it's good. Like, it's fun to work. I love it. I, there isn't really anything else I would want to do, but I think I would like to do it because I like it and not because I need it to fill some hole that you know or that I need it to feel valid or like I I I don't exist you know and 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 I think some of that I a lot of that I feel like I'm you know kind of I've I've kind of scooped out and I and I just feel like yeah I think I just you know I, I like working but I also like friends I like 
being peaceful. I like spending time with Lydia. I like life things. I like to try to, you know, <laughs> appreciate things and not just get sucked into, you know, especially cause when you, when you get so busy, you can just get consumed by just like putting out mini fires all day that don't really mean anything. Oh, this person <laughs> yeah. is a, this color of these shoes isn't right for this. And I'm like, Oh God, you know, like, and, and I know those, all those things are important and their artistic expression and all, but at the end of the day, I also sort of feel like just don't try not to lose sight of, like the, that, those things are important, but they don't mean everything. And try not to lose sight of, you know, uh, do you are, do you care about the people that are close to you? Do they love you back? Are they healthy? Are you okay? Or you know, like all those yeah. things. But yeah. hearing hearing the way that you sort of you set yourself up to, it's not even that you're setting yourself up to succeed. You're setting the, you're like putting the soil in place that is fertile, so that. The, the the seeds will grow of happiness and you sort of know that so it's all of those micro choices that you make of the blinds and the and what you're eating and who yeah. you're around and the clothes and the, everything that sort of puts you in the mindset to then be able to you know uh flourish that, well that's you you just said it and, and the whole mouthful when i tell you like i feel like what i've been doing in the past years has been planting many seeds and praying over them, loving them. You don't know how they're going to, you, you know, you, you're in the garden. You don't know how it's going to turn out, but you have hope and you have faith. And, but you know that you tend to it, you know, mm-hmm. and everything needs tending. So I don't know, I feel like all holistic today, but basically that's what I'm, I'm saying, that I think that going back to your original question, which is, am I having a great moment? I'm like, yeah, I, I absolutely am because I, I've, I've sown these seeds and I've been um, watching these flowers grow in my garden. And, and right now it's in full bloom. Will it last forever? I don't know. We we all have, we have gardens. We don't know. Some things, you know, are annuals. Some are, <laughs> you know. But right now, right now, the garden looks damn good. I just want to be out in it. <laughs> I, t- I I I always find that people who have theater backgrounds um, have a much more um, uh, three hundred and sixty degree approach to things, and please tell me if I'm wrong about this because I it seems to me that when you start in theater, and I didn't, but it seems to me that when you start in theater, the mindset is like do whatever it takes to make the production work. So you might be oh yeah in the play, but you also might have to pull the curtain or do the lighting or or yeah. hand out tickets or make the programs or like you kind of just you got to care about the whole thing, to, not just your own shit. Exactly. 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 The, you got to care about making ensemble. the sausage together. You're like, I don't know how the sausage gets made, but we all got to make this together. But we're going to all and do it. And it's not just about being an ensemble for the for the group, but an ensemble as a as a as a working part of the ecosystem as well. Yeah. That it's that ensemble too. Well, I think uh, there's. I remember when I first um, started coming to LA from New York, and my agents would sit me down and have general meetings, and I would go all over town. And it would meet me, with, not as an actor, meet me as a creative. And they talk about what I want to do. I said, well, I think that what, I, what I'm itching to do is sort of bring the principles of, te- of theater into the television and film space. Because anytime I've been on TV sets or done films, I felt like it can use a little jolt of what we do in the theater, mm-hmm. which is really about community. Um, not being in our own silos. And I know that, listen, I know that I'm very conscious of it. I know that like, Let's say when I leave for the day on Fear the Walking Dead, I say goodbye to everyone. I make sure everybody's well taken care of, from transpo to PAs, to you name it, that we're all a company. 
that it's not like the actors are never just in little silos. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm always looking out for seeing, hey, there's background chairs that they're out there, whatever. I'm like, it's about how do I make sure they're taken care of and they have to make sure I'm taken care of and we all win. And I feel like a lot of times it's not set up that way in, 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 in the systems of television and film. And so I do know that like I, there are principles of just saying it's a community, we're doing it together. A lot of times we're not doing it for our worth, to be very honest. I think that's yeah. a, always a huge problem in the theater. And I think that that has to change. Um, that's a whole other conversation I'll be on a podcast with you for, I'm sure, where I'm talking about taking a sledgehammer to the American theater and changing what, when it comes to in, in demanding more, when it comes to pay parity, you name it, because I feel like it's a system in the not-for-profit not, not world that does not work well, and it hasn't worked well for years. Um, we shouldn't we shouldn't constantly saying that performers are barely being paid and, you know, got to do all these other things that are outside. You're like, because it's not looked at as a profession, and it is a profession. You know, I think it's, it's got to be respected like, like any other profession, um, and people have got to be taken care of. So that said is, because we've always lived at with this sort of baseline of like, we're in it for the love. We're in it for the heart. We're in it because we're not trying to, you know, we, could, we believe we could change the world. Getting paid $400 a week to do this show, 52 hours a week of rehearsal, you can't really do anything else. How are you going to make a living and survive? But we got the show. That's wonderful. And that's given us a lot of, you know, foundation of like taking care of each other, looking after each other. But there's a little balance that can happen, I think. I think that, but I think that that is a, true uh, North Star for theater artists. You do it because it's about the community and building something together and taking a leap of faith together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. but and, and, and then my addendum to that is that people have preyed on that heart, on that heart and soul of theater artists to pay them not their worth. <laughs> to, you know what I mean? To, you know, so that's a whole other thing that I need to unpack on the next podcast. Tomorrow. <laughs> well, but, but I also, but I also, uh, I, I, I often, I really think a lot about like, well, what is success? And, you know, like, I, I do think that there are kind of warped ideas about, you know, sort of broad warped ideas about what success is, as being a very external thing, a very material thing. And so, you know, when I say to you, you know, wow, you know, you're having this moment in your career, I also recognize that to me, when I look at all the work you've done, you've always been successful because you've always done, you've always made these choices. You've always, you know, pursued what you wanted and, you know, and made things happen for yourself. Now the dollar amounts might go up. They might, you know, like the, the, um, the, the visibility on some things might be greater than other things. I don't know if that necessarily makes them more any less successful. You know, like you've had this 31 year career where you've always, it seems like I've always gotten to do and always pursued what you wanted to do. And I'd look at that and I'd go, you've had 31 years of success. Do you feel that way? How do you define it? I do. And it's funny because I had to sort of define it to my mother one time. You know, my mother was very supportive <laughs> and loving and wonderful, but she would always, she, cause success to her meant something different than it did to me. Eventually it, they matched up. But I remember, I always believed I was successful the first time I got paid to do what I love to do, which was act. Mm-hmm. It was at New Conservatory Theater Center in San Francisco in about 1992. And my first paid job touring schools, doing this play, playing the lead. And I was getting paid for it. And I was doing what I believed, what my purpose was. That was successful. When I got my equity card, I felt successful. I got my SAG card, I felt successful. When I 
wrote a play and developed it and put it on stage, I felt successful. So there are all these moments of success that I believe I had. But then I would think, I would say someone who loves me, let's say my mom or my sister would say something like, oh, I can't wait for you to get a break. Now, this is after I've maybe worked with, you know, you know, done some amazing things in the theater that may not have been on their on their minds. But if I did something like, say, some show on the CW that didn't mean anything to anybody, <laughs> I think they would have thought he's made it now. You know, and I, so I would always have to push back. I'm like, nah, I think I'm successful doing what I'm doing. But I think that like I do recognize that this is a different sort of um, critical amount of success because I, I, I feel like I, I have crossed over from being that guy that sort of shows up and does that. And we don't know what he, he's that guy to having name recognition. And um, and but I love what it's now recognized for more than anything. It's it's exactly the course that I wanted. I wanted to be recognized as a creator. I wanted to be looked at as a multi-hyphenate artist. I wanted to be looked at as a man who had principles, who who respected craftsmanship, all those things. That I want to just be known. That was a very strong, to be very honest. When I joined a show like Fear the Walking Dead, I didn't want to be known as Coleman Domingo of Fear the Walking Dead. I, I, I can't just be limited to just a genre that undermines all the other work that I've done. Because I think, you know, doing a Kander and Ebb musical was just as important to me. But the visibility of Fear the Walking Dead is much more than doing that Kander and Ebb musical. You know, so people want to just pigeonhole you and say, Fear the Walking Dead, Coleman Domingo. I'm like, nope, just Coleman Domingo. Just an mm -hmm. actor navigating, doing other things as well. So, it, it, like, even sometimes, and some fans that are probably listening, they probably realize that it's you that I'm talking to. But sometimes they, they almost don't want to allow you to be something else. They will just say, oh, you know, you, I'll post a picture of something that has nothing to do with a, about anything. Next thing you know, they're like, where's Alicia? You know, uh, there's a lot of, where's Alicia? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Strand is my favorite character. I'm like, yo, dude, I, this is about saving the whales. You know? <laughs> you know right, I mean? right, right. Well, that's, I, and I know that's just fandom and people just might just, you know, like just see that one thing and that's what they're very passionate about. And that's, that's totally understandable and fine. And as long as you know, because a lot of people do know you from a lot of different stuff. And, and I think the, the, the most impressive, impressive thing about this career that you have crafted and you have crafted and you, you've made it, you've, you know, to say like, you've made it, it's not just that you've achieved success. It's like, you've literally made it, <laughs> you created it, you know, and, and to see the amount of intent you know, it was so inspiring because again, it can be very easy to sit back and go, oh, I'm not getting the opportunities I want or I'm not. And it's like, okay, sure. You can't control the external world. Have you done even one little thing today that moves you forward toward that goal? Yes. Do you know what that goal is? And ultimately, do you know who you are? And, and having, you know, to, to, to watch 31 years of that, I think is really inspiring because it, because it basically is a roadmap. For anyone who feels like, well, you know, I'm just starting out. What can I do? Or I haven't been. It's like, you know, decide, figure out who you are live with intent, make choices that are that are meaningful to you. You know, the, the, the wildest thing is I'm getting a lot of young men these days in particular saying, I want a career like yours. And I'm a teacher as well. You know that. And I would tell them, I, I said, I want a career. I want you to have a career like yours. Exactly. My, my career is a career that I've made that I crafted. And I can say, and I'm, I'm not saying this with any ego at all, but there was no career like mine to be made. There's no model for my career. There's no, I, I, don't, I don't see a peer of mine who goes between different mediums 
in different ways as a writer, director, on different, you know, actor. I, I don't know of that person, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to be pigeonholed. And I didn't want to just um, be relegated to what people see. Because I think there could be, I mean, for the opportunities when I was first coming out, coming up in this industry, it wasn't that many that were that complex, you know, for a tall, dark-skinned Black man. And then who also happens to be gay, who also lives openly as a gay man. To know that I'd never want to be marginalized and just seen as a gay man in, in, in every single way. Someone who's very proud and very open. But I just, I was also being very strategic in the choices that I made. How I presented myself, how I presented my work. Because I think at some point you're like, I have to change the narrative because I don't want the narrative to just be about my sexuality. That's not exactly, that's not me. That's not the place where I live. I'm like, oh no, I can talk about that for a moment, but I'm not going to be your moment and be that thing that you, you, that you amplify. So I will help steer course. The moment I was nominated for a Tony Award for a musical, I was like, I'm not the musical theater dude. You guys can calm that down. I kept getting offered to do musicals. I didn't work for a solid year. I started bartending again, and I waited until I got the did the right thing that I wanted to do, which was a play, which was the Apple play. I'm always telling students, listeners, whatever, be in control of what you're doing, of what you're. And sometimes you have to take it back. You have to sit back for a moment and create the thing, and put energy into the other thing to create the the career that you want. I mean, and it has to be yours. It's like my career is not designed off of anyone else's. Yes, I have people who I admire. But I'm like, oh, I want to craft it. I'm, I'm interested in these things. Let it come from inside out. Not, again, I'm not from the outside in. I don't work from the outside in. I always work from the inside out. What is my heart and my mind telling me to do? Oh, that's you such know? a great word. It's, it's just like, I just get chills just even hearing that, working from the inside out, because it's so succinctly, it, it, it's such a great way to to guide. It's just because you you just ask that internal question when you come up against something that's like, well, what choice do I, oh, well, if I'm coming from the inside out. So when people say like, I want a career like yours, it almost seems like fine. That don't, don't pay attention to the visuals of what you see of my career. Yeah. Have a career like mine in the sense that you live from the inside out and you follow what's <laughs> meaningful to you and you make yes. things and you know, like that's how you can, and then yeah. and that's how you make your own path. Absolutely. That's the only way. I think that's the only way. But I also think, like you said, going back to something you said earlier, it requires you to really know who you are, though, and to be um, fearless with that and to be honest with that, with who you are and what you can um, sort of live with uh, to be in to be in this industry. Because the industry will sway you to be many other things, to be things that are so not you, but just because it's marketable, maybe because you look a certain way and you think you can find some, some success in that way. I have some questions about some some of my closest peers where I'm like, I think you're playing into that thing that's actually not you. I think you're playing into something because you look like the whole package of that thing, but you're actually much more interesting than that. I really would be interested if you went from the inside out and how the industry would respond to you because I think they would have even greater success because I see them and they're frustrated. They're not getting cast the way they want because they want to do these other things, but they want to do the other things that these other people that look like them do. And I'm like, actually, you're much more interesting than that. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. and, 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 you know, it's the other thing about um, getting more opportunities and, you know, especially, you know, later in life than, you know, like forties as opposed to twenties. The thing that I think is so interesting about it is that when people start to discover you and all these things start hitting at once, 
then they can really go down the Coleman Domingo path, you know, and go, oh my God, this and discover all of these things that you've done. And I think it just creates this really solid foundation versus, you know, getting a hit show right out of the gate and being really materially successful right out of the gate, which is, I think has less of a solid foundation. If that one thing goes away or you become too identifiable with it, it can make, you know, but to have this, you know, 30 year foundation of a career and people go, oh my God, and he does this and he's a musician and a writer and a director and a producer and an actor and stage and film and television. I mean, literally every aspect of the, pretty much every aspect of the business. I don't know. Have you ever had a radio show? Radio might be the only, have you done radio? radio before? I, haven't, I haven't done radio. I haven't done radio. Okay. So radio, so radio, you know, radio I always, the, you know, I always have plan, plans for you and I, I always have plans for you and I to do something. Here. So we're going to do, we're going to figure that out. Maybe it's a radio show. <laughs> it could be a radio show or or uh, I loved the idea that you had uh, pitched about, oh, you know what we should do? We should do like a variety show just to see yes. like what people learned during the pandemic, like what skills they picked up during the pandemic and just do like a talent show. I was like, oh, that's Dude, a I think they're going to want it. I think people I think people are going to want it, Chris. I think they're going to want it from us. You and I co-hosting that. It'll be a riot. I, I, and I definitely, I, that would be a blast. But I also think you're one of those people that could win and like you, you could do an EGOT, you know what I mean? Like you could do because you work in so many different mediums and you know, when you got nominated for the spirit award this past year, it was like, yeah. And Lydia and I said to each other, like Coleman's going to be one of those dudes. And I mean this entirely sincerely. He's going to be one of those people that is going to get, you're going to, do, you're going to end up doing something and, and you're going to be on the Oscar ballot. And, mm. and I, and I think you can win. And I, you know, like, I don't know what you've got coming out. I don't know what that thing is, but I believe it to be the case. And I also feel like it won't change you in a negative way. Like to me, I, it seems like, you know, I'm going to be a total you, asshole the moment I'm on <laughs> Oscar. Uh, Chris, Lydia, it's Coleman. Uh, I'm pretty A-list now, so uh, <laughs> fuck you guys and uh, don't, don't contact me again. But you know, w- w- would you say that as as a, as, a, as a, an amazing of an experience that that would be that you wouldn't trade it for that first job that you got in 1992 at the theater in San Francisco? You know, like that that yeah. feeling. You know, like it, it is just part of the. It's a nice thing, and but but part of the journey. I'm going to unpack that in a beautiful, hopefully in a beautiful way. I've had to, um, I think a lot of times in my career, I've had to do some soul searching when sort of I was up for consideration for an award or something like that. And awards, I remember, I'll never forget this. I was at the Tonys. I I swear, in my mind now, I think maybe it's taken on more color than it actually was. But I remember talking to some dude, oh, it was at the party that was the night before the Tonys. And it was somebody else who was nominated. And you know, I'm walking around just happy, just happy to be there, smiling, like I always do. And um, this guy, I forget who it was. I feel like it was some legendary theater dude. was like, remember, it's, it's nice to be feted. Don't get attached to the award. He said, it's about the reward. It's not about the award. He said, just <laughs> be here. Enjoy it. He said, do me a favor. Enjoy the show tomorrow. Don't think about the award. Enjoy the show. And I sat there, I was like, man, okay. And it, I take that with me now with everything that I do. It's funny because even like, even recently, I remember, listen, I just did, listen, I'll just be, I'm be sincere with you. Uh, I remember um, people were like, Twitter was all ablaze recently in the last 
six months over my episode of Euphoria. And everyone was throwing Emmy, Emmy around, Emmy nomination, Emmy, Emmy, Emmy. And I thought, yeah, the work is credible. I think the work is there. It's like, and I, I knew the work was there, it was solid. What Sam wrote was solid. What we did was solid with me and Zendaya, solid. Great reviews, everything. Now, I, found, I knew four months ago that our episode, I found out from my publicist that our episode what, didn't qualify. And I was like, why? That didn't make any sense. It's television, HBO. They couldn't fit, I think Emmys couldn't figure out what category to put it in or something because it was a bridge episode. So it's not part of season one or season two. And it's not limited really because oh. it is an ongoing show. And so therefore the work couldn't even be considered. So I, when I tell you, I had to choke down because I got angry and I'm just going to be sincere. I was like, wait, what? My work can't even be considered? It's some of the best work of my career and I know it because the work, and I'm just saying it, not even as an actor, the work was there. The writing was there. The direction was there. Everything was there. I'm like, it can't even be considered as bullshit. I even talked to the person who heads the Emmy and I just let it be. And, I, and then I said, you know what? Well, Coleman, you have to reset yourself and think like I've always had to do in these 31 years, what's the most important thing to you? And I realized that when I said, when I actually had that conversation with myself, I remembered this dude on Twitter who said, he, man, I get, he said, he said to me after the episode, he said, thank you so much for telling my story. He said, I felt like when you reached your hand out to Zendaya at the end, I felt like I could live another day. And it's the man who'd oh been sober, God. you know, for you. And I'm like, I get emotional thinking about that. And the thing, the commentary that people put on our work in that episode is so meaningful. And again, it helps reset me to think, this is what's important. If I get awards and nominations, that's all wonderful. I do love it. You, you, you want to be amplified. You want your work to be amplified, yes. But at the core, in my heart of hearts, I know that the way I touch people is the most meaningful thing more than anything. And I'd rather have that if someone said, would you, would you rather have that be an award? I'd rather have that, yeah. you know, cause it, and at some point the awards are coming. You, you can't deny, um, people's work. You just can't. And I know that I, I know I'm very conscious of doing good work and giving my all. I do think I'll be at EGOT as well. And I think it'll happen suddenly and it'll happen probably all at once because that's the way my <laughs> career goes. It does not, it doesn't, there's no gradual anything. Let's say suddenly all of it's happening. That's, that's exactly the way I feel it will happen. But it's not, but you know, what's in, but I think it's, it probably feels suddenly, but it's, I think, you know, when you sort of look at a tree that bears fruit and for years, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then all of a sudden it's like, there's like yeah. a, a hundred lemons on this tree. You know, it's like, all of the time and work and process that went into, you know, it might manifest all suddenly, but it was the yeah. result of, you know, many years, years of years attending. of choices. And, and also I, I, I firmly believe that as nice as that will be and as amazing uh, and deserved as that will be, I, like I said, I don't think it's going to change you. I think you're going to go, no. this is amazing. I'm still going to live the way I you make the choices that I make. I still have the same directive. I might have you know yeah. different opportunities, but it's still because you know who you are. I don't feel like the external thing is going to affect your internal. It, compass. It, I, I know it won't because I think I, again because I know who I am. You know, being 51, I think I, I know who I am in every single way. My, I, I surprised apparently my my childhood friends who they were together. 
Um, I've known them since I was 14. They were together this weekend, and one of them decided to, to um, dial me. And they were they were having a good time. They were sweaty in Philadelphia, and they were like, hey, let's see if they'll pick up. And I picked up. And they're like, oh, my God, you picked up? I was like, yeah, you called me. <laughs> and they were so surprised. Like, but you're a big Hollywood movie star. We thought you'd be on set. I said, you called. I'm, I'm available. Of course I picked up. You know, I, I love you. It's like that stuff doesn't change because that's the real stuff. And I think sometimes people get confused from the outside. They get confused and think that I'm always running around on red carpets. And I'm like, no, I'm actually sitting at home, you know, <laughs> making a sandwich. I don't know. <laughs> you know no, I think, I think, you know, I, the beautiful thing is, you, you know, Chris, you know, I, I love where I live. I love my friends. Yeah. I probably have some better, like, I know, I know the one thing that's changed with me. Yeah. I have a better car. Yeah. I have, <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah. I'm not, I have a, I have a really nice car. That's what, that's what, that's what that stuff is for. <laughs> you know, but when it right. comes down to it, I still go to the regular places. I still spend time with my friends loved ones and i i know it won't change me i hope it won't but i know it won't because i think i know myself hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all. Not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I say this on the podcast a lot as a gentle reminder for people who get really, you know, can get really caught up and overwhelmed and just say like, Hey, you know, just always try to remember that a, you are not your thoughts and you are not your career, you know, like you are you, those are things, you know, like your, your, your brain will often tell you things to try to help you avoid discomfort. You don't always have to, you know, listen to it. Sometimes, you know, healthy choices might feel a little uncomfortable in the moment. And you're also not your career. So you don't have to feel defined by the uncontrollable whims of the universe. You know? Yeah, dude. Yes. <laughs> Chris, do you, do you also think that like, I have a question for you because I think my, my uh, door person asked me this a couple of weeks ago and I thought it was the weirdest thing. She was like, so uh, Mr. Domingo, do you just, now that you know, it's not a mask requirement, are you okay with going out without a mask? I was like, well, yeah, I'm vaccinated and I wear masks like indoors and stuff when I need to. No, I mean, for your celebrity. And, it, and it's funny because like, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I didn't think about it. I don't think about stuff like that. I'm like, I never think anyone knows me when I'm going right. out. I'm just like, I feel I'm not the walking. same way. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or I'm like, do you, do you feel the same way? Know. Yeah, of course I do. Like, if anyone ever knows anything, I'm like, they're like, oh, I, you know, I watch your game show. You do? Wow, that's amazing, you know? <laughs> or like, you know, like when people, like if, if someone comes over, you know, if I'm eating, they come over and go, 
oh, I, I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, why? Like, I don't mind. Like, this is very nice that you, you know, like, oh, I really liked, you know, the, the House of a Thousand Corpses is a horror movie that I did 20 years ago. Oh my God, you know that? That's incredible. I can't believe you know that. Like, I am always so, like, just blown away by the fact that- <laughs> Anybody you know, knows who you are. Right. Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, when we go to Comic-Con, we know like, well, that's a very yes. specific world. So obviously, I would imagine if people come to a panel or a show, they probably know. But I don't yeah. feel like I it's not an I don't feel arrogantly about it. I still feel surprised. Like, I can't believe I get to do that. Like, it's still I never thought. And I think everyone feels that at the beginning of your career, like, oh, I because you don't have anything to compare it to. Like, I don't can't really picture. It's hard to really imagine that anyone would ever know or care anything I work on. And I feel like that never entirely goes away. So when people do know, it's like, yeah, holy shit, how do you know that? You know, and, uh, <laughs> right. and, and, and I feel like I wrote about it once a long time ago where there's maybe like, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, or maybe even longer. So, uh, s- s- someone came up to me and they were like, Hey, I, I know you don't I. And I, and I think I was like, Oh, uh, well, I'm on television or like whatever my answer was, uh, probably from this MTV show I do. And she was like, oh, no, our moms are friends. And I just felt ah, like such a douchebag. Such a douche. That it, it really like, I think that really stuck, that really solidified. It was a great experience because it solidified in my soul. So like, don't ever assume, you know, like you don't know. And it's a gift. If anyone knows your work and they appreciate it, it's a gift. It is. I, the, the, it's the casual things that, that, that confuse me, though, because lately, a lot of times, I guess maybe I feel like I'm a bit more noticeable for some reason right now. And people are constantly doing things like, hey, and I'm like, hey, and I feel like <laughs> I have early onset dementia because I don't know who they are. I'm like, I should Did know I go to who school they with that are. person or they. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realize, I'm like, oh, they know me, but they're yeah. but they're acting very familiar, you know? Yeah. 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 That, 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 that can happen. And so, uh, you know, I think, I think it's nice just to, you know, just like be familiar with everybody. Like if someone Dude, right. reaches out to you familiarly, then reach out familiarly back. Even if you can't place, even if you don't yeah. know them, it's like, Oh my God, how's it going? You know, because they took the time to say hi and they, you know, like and for whatever reason, something you did was meaningful and connective and that is don't ever, you can't, you can't lose sight of that stuff. Cause it is a, you know, it is, it's just such an, it's such an odd business. And, and to see you again, cr- creating all these opportunities in a business that we, we really, things happen for ridiculous reasons. We have no control. Like you can, you can be like about to shoot something and the production gets shut down, you know, like just, yeah. again, pandemic, you know, like we don't know the fact that yeah. anything ever gets made to me is remarkable. It truly is in every single way. It's a miracle basically. You know, this as a director and a producer, like you even have more experience with oh, yeah. the fact that you you see the sides of it that are like, oh, I can't, I can't believe it. That I can't believe we did things it. Things happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm always nervous about everything. I'm like, are we like yesterday? We had a hold on set for like a lightning storm, and each 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 moment, you're like, are we going to be able to finish this? Or I don't know if we're going to be able to make this. Is going to happen? You know, so yeah, constantly. And oh I think God. that's also you as a director, just going, oh, you know, because even even if you're not directing the episode, I would you say that 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 director um impulse never goes away because it never just, goes away i'm, I'm just a, off. I, I, it never goes away i've always been sort of like all eyes everywhere and you know so i all my the directors i work with now they understand that i'm always 
I'll just wander over and look behind camera and see what they're looking at. And just because, because, <laughs> and it's not that I'm, I'm trying to judge or direct anything, but I'm like, what, what's going on? What, what are you guys doing? Let's see that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, do. I, I, ju- I just have a feeling that you're the type of person that if someone were like, okay, Coleman, we, today we need you to be uh, a, a, a real nuclear physicist, you would just roll up your sleeves and go, I'll just f- I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, man, I'll just get in true. there and figure it out. But, but, isn't it, but isn't it always that's our jobs too? I feel like we've always been, I guess, sort of troubleshooters or like, you know, I'm not afraid of like, oh, let me just I'll get on Google and learn about that real quick and figure it, figure that out. Like, yeah, I feel like that's the nature of like a, a character actor, though. It's like, oh, well, I guess I'll get as much information as possible and I'll make it happen. Like, like yeah. you said, hey, Coleman, could you uh, could you handle, you know, making sure that that baby is born? I'm like, oh, let me fix, give me an hour. Just one second. <laughs> give me an hour. That's a great <laughs> title for a book, by the way. That's a great title for an autobiography. Give me an hour. I just I'm need just an hour. Prep. I'll figure it out. Because any actor's like, let me just prep. Let me just work it out. I mean, I like I'll get on the computer and figure it out and research and we'll see what happens. That's that's the nature of a theater artist. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's that's so great. I mean, I I know we're approaching an hour, so I definitely want to men- I I definitely we I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to talk about specific story points, but um uh, Candyman, which Lydia and I watch, and of course loved. Uh, it's such a great. What what I what I think is so remarkable about it is that it it has managed to find this really great balance between being its own film uh, and extending the Candyman storyline while mm. still remaining true to the original, but but expanding the story of it. Mm. Uh, uh, so, uh, do you, do you feel that way? That's the best way to put it. I think, cause I think people are like, Oh, is it a remake? Is it this? I'm like, it's, I'm like when Nia decided to call it a spiritual sequel, that's exactly what it is. That it's still in the same vein, the same zeitgeist of the Candyman mythology, but it's also doing something that's sly and more, I don't know irreverent when it comes to looking at all the themes that links both Candyman uh, uh, sequels, uh, the sequel and the original, and sort of like what people are, what are the, what's the terror that we're really walking at and living mm-hmm. in? If you place it in like the Cabrini Green Projects of Chicago again right now during gentrification, and you're looking at trauma and terror. So I think that there's bigger themes going on, art, criticism, you know, um, I think there's many things that we're unpacking there. It's like, like Jordan Peele would do, which is unpack a whole lot and give you a lot to think about. Is he giving you that sort of scare, that jolt? Possibly, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, yes, and. And then I think, I think it's a, a great movie to watch a couple times because then you're unpacking things and seeing things in a different way. And I think um, it, has, it has even more meaning, I think. I don't know. Um, d- d- did a... Uh, I, 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 funny, I, I want to ask you, but I don't want to give anything away either. Because I'm like, I'm so interested in seeing how how, how people respond to it. Um, I just, I know already it's going to be another. Uh, I don't know. I think that I think it's a really. There's something about. I'll just say this. I've been blessed to be in a couple of films this summer, but like having Zola at the beginning, and Candyman at the end tells us a lot. Bridging in my mind, bridging a lot of the thoughts theory examination that we've had last summer 
in some way when it's about race, when it comes to terror and trauma, um, appropriation, you name I think it's unpacking a whole lot. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how people respond to this film, especially after all that we've been going through, you know? And, and also the idea that, you know, because when a, a lot of times if someone takes an existing uh, franchise or existing characters or whatever, like they might just ride on the coattails of like, oh, we'll just go with the recognition of this thing. But to take it and to then use it to make something meaningful, to take it in a meaningful direction is amazing. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's almost like it's like a meaningful horror film. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> right. I think, I think it's horror at its best. I think it's actually looking at, again, it's almost one of those things where I'm like, I'm almost scared to talk about it because I'm like, I'm more scared to talk about it than I am about saying Candyman. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't, you don't want to give anything away. Like you don't, because it, it's, it's, it, you know, it, people should just experience it, you know, without, yeah. with, and, and without going in any notions, I think is, is, is the best way. <laughs> yeah i think that's the way to go because i feel like people keep asking me in some interviews well so can you tell me about your character i'm like sort of but not really i'm not really you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean you know I, and by the way i come up again i come up against this all the time on talking dead because i know that i ask questions that it's like well angela can't answer this or you know like <laughs> or you know like or or you or uh, alicia or it's like you can't because that's going to spoil. It's going to give away, yeah. and and yeah. I, I know where it's going to net out is like, ah, you just gotta watch. Like I can't, <laughs> and just like watch that eternal struggle of like I want to say, but if I do, then it's you're gonna, <laughs> ah, you know, like I don't want to spoil anything, and even just kind of mentioning any specific story points like well then that just kind of unravels the surprises that are in store yeah 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 we'll leave it at that (laughs) is there you know like what what else are you able to talk about that you're working on that you're excited about obviously you know the uh, the amc show that you're doing are you working on any more and you said you're doing another theater uh piece that's going to open in london yeah, I, I, see, I, this uh, Stax musical that I've been that I wrote last year is going to go up at the Young Vic um, in London probably next year. So um, we're reading that. That's using all music from the Stax catalog, like Otis Redding and Staple Singers and all, um, Johnny Taylor. And then uh, let's see what else I got going on. I got um, yeah, just I'm I'm actually going to shoot one more up one more episode of Euphoria, and uh, we're going to keep going with uh fear the walking dead and see how long we can keep going with that and um and then hopefully i'll have something that i'm that it's close to being um announced um i have it's a film project that's very meaningful to me um where i'm going to play a real uh profound human being who's made a lot of changes in this world i'll tell you that and uh so i'm getting so i'm getting myself ready for that I'll tell you that offline. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I, I, you know, what advice do you have? What advice would you give people who, again, the same person who comes and says, I want your career. And you know what they're saying is like, I want to, I want to do all these roles. I want to do all these things that you're, that you're, that you're doing or, you know, or they just sort of get impatient because they're just, 
they don't want to feel like they're, you know, struggling to make ends meet anymore. They're like, I just need to, what do I, you know, what advice do you have to people to just, you know, staying on the path, staying true to themselves, you know, having internal motivation? How, 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 how would you tell people to do that? I think I'm going to tell it to you the way I told this one guy. And I was just in that kind of a mood. It was the realest conversation I've ever had with anybody who said, oh, I just want a career like yours. I said, you do? If you want my career, I want you to go all the way back and have the full career. That means many lean years. That means doing shows in regional theater, getting paid much less your worth. That means creating when there weren't opportunities for yourself. That means living in a, a illegal sublet in Harlem, you know, with, you know, crazy neighbors downstairs, you know, never barely can afford rent, you know, trying to work and hustle, bartending, teaching, doing everything you can to maintain, to stay in this business. You are my career. I want you to want all of that. I want you to want when your parents both die in the same year and you still think you still got to get up and try to survive and build on something when you don't have anything. You're in unemployment. You have no opportunities and you keep going, you keep going and you keep pouring into your career. You keep creating where there's nothing to create. You keep you, you bet on yourself. You do a reading, you put the money in yourself. You do you read it at the bar that you were working at and got them to donate that night to you so you can actually, you know, invite friends and, and print out flyers and get people to come see your work. As you're starting to embark on being a writer, you have to invest in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. You have you can't wait. You can't wait for agents to do it, managers to do it. You can, you've got to invest in yourself. You've got to you've got to constantly figure it out. And but you you've got to stay in it. And it can't be easy. I feel like none of my career has been easy. And there have been moments where it could have been a little easier. Someone could have opened a door or gave me a lift. I'm actually very grateful that they didn't because I actually had to learn how to do it myself. I remember I wanted to shadow directors. And for some reason, people kept blocking me from shadowing, shadowing. And then finally, I was like, no, I'm going to be a television director. It's going to happen. You sign another way. So I feel like you got to keep navigating your own path. And the thing that I'll tell anyone is like, no one can tell you not to create. I'll say it again for the people in the back. No one can tell you not to create. You have liberty to do it right now, wherever you are. And I think if you're waiting on something outside of yourself, you're not doing the job. If you're waiting to, well, you know, I'll wait until I get an agent, whatever, what you waiting for? You can create it right now. Especially now, you have YouTube, you have, you have a phone, you can make a film, you can do whatever you want, you have an iPad. So what's your excuse? If you want it easy, this isn't the career for you. Go for the hard path. That hard path is going to be your path, you know, and I think it'll be more um, worthwhile and you will always feel that, like I know for sure, Chris, in every single way, and it's this is a personal thought that I have that I know I'm going to just make public. I know I've done this career on my own for myself and it feels very, and I feel like my success, the things that I've built, I know it's because I did it because I didn't wait because I didn't, I didn't sit and just curl up in a ball when I could have, when I could have stopped. No, I kept going. And you can keep going. You just got to have, but you also got to find out the things that, you also got to have a full life too. And I, that's something I always tell my students. You got to have love. You got to have relationships. You got to want a garden. You got to want to know about art and art, art history and architecture and sciences. You need all that stuff to, to survive in this industry. It can't just be about this work. It's got to be about so much more so you can feed it into your work. Yeah. That's all I got to say. 
I mean, that's, that is, that's a gorgeous sentiment. I mean, it's such, it's such great advice. I mean, it, it's, it, I do go back and listen to podcasts and I, I already have made mental notes of like, I got to go back. I need to write that down. I need to write that down. I need to write that down because you never, um, it's easy to forget stuff. Like, you know, like you, you, you really do have to constantly check in with where you're at, who you are. Are you still on the path you want? Are you still like, it, it doesn't just, it doesn't just get figured out one day and then you never, it's like, you don't go to the gym once and go, well, I guess I'm in shape now. I went to the gym. It's like, you know, uh, uh, I, I mean, I said, you know, like I, I've had the same trainer forever. And I remember one time I was like, I was like, Oh my God. So I'm going to probably like have to stretch and like work out for the rest of my life. And he's like, yeah, I mean, don't think about it all now. I mean, right. you don't have to, but you just have to know what that path is going to lead to. You're going to be inflexible. You're going to be yeah. sore. You're not going to feel healthy. You can do that. But, you know, if you want, don't take it all on now. But yeah, I mean, you. Can, it's like, yeah. I was like, man, so I got to like stretch all the time. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. And it's the same thing with the emotional stuff. Like, yeah, that's yeah. That, if that's what you, you want, do it all, then you all gotta, the time, all the time. Yeah, all that's right. You know, you got to you got to got to keep checking in. But you know, I just, again, I love you with all of my heart. And I love you, my friend. I, Thank you. And I, I cannot wait until y'all are back in town and we can see you and, and give hugs in person. I want to hug. I want barbecue. I want to have some burgers. You guys always make the best burgers. I really, I've been missing your burger. <laughs> I don't know what it is that you do or Lydia does, but I miss your burger. I, that sounds weird. I miss your burger. But I've <laughs> <laughs> I that, that sounds weird. Chris, I really miss your burger. I really miss your burger. I like you, but what I, I really, I mean, it would be nice to see you. Could you FedEx me a burger? Could you make a burger and send it? Because that's really, uh, yeah. no, we will absolutely make burgers for you. Cool. And, uh, and, and I, and I hope you get back soon. And by the way, I just want to let people know that uh, Candyman uh, is in theaters August 27th. That is the end of the podcast. The end. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.